and I'm not quite sure. I mean, I've got certain ideas of how I could kind of view things going. Um, there tends to be a lot of straight lines, like vertical and horizontal in more Art Nouveau style stuff. Oop. Why am I just, oh, there we go. Now we're up on YouTube. Yay. Awesome. Happy to hear it. Uh, so for those of you that are just tuning in today on the YouTube, uh, we've got a number of different people with us. We've got James Wisdom. We've got Jen. We've got Raphael. Um, and we're kind of drawn today. Uh, we've got Jen over there working with, uh, is that gouache? No, this is some weird stuff. This is liquid charcoal. I'm just experimenting with it today. Isn't that weird? Liquid charcoal. Well, I, I like the idea of it because then you could go back and erase into it, but we'll see how it actually works. It's it's my first time trying it. I'm going to be really interested to try some of that out. Yeah. I may pick up a tube of it tonight <laughs> and play around with it. I, I always like trying new mediums and... Um, Sunday is my experimental day. <laughs> yeah, I like Sundays for me uh, to kind of focus on stuff that I really, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, want to do, as opposed to stuff that, you know, maybe I've got appointments through the week. Um, you know, so, and that may not exactly be stuff that, not that I don't want to do it. It's just, maybe it's stuff that I'm not, really interested in trying to progress with. Um, so I like to take Sundays and kind of go through and uh, use that for my own art to work on different stuff like dragons. I've been trying to get better at drawing and uh, Art Nouveau stuff. I always like to try to get better at because I feel like I haven't really understood the style to the best of my abilities. Um, but I'm, I'm always interested to see what people do on their days off. You know, for me, it's fascinating. Then again, what really is a day off in this world? True, I keep thinking, oh, it's, it's hard to make friends when you're an adult and I don't have many friends. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have time well, you've for You've got friends. us. Yeah. <laughs> you've got us. You know, but that's, it's something to be said. You know, it, the pursuit of mastery in any subject, it's not the most social pursuit ever. Um, and everyone's got their own definition of what, you know, proficiency or mastery is. But, you know, it's not always the easiest. Uh, but progress does not happen nine to five. It's something that uh, I heard that quote recently and really kind of, you know, stuck with me. Um, you know, and I, I've taken that kind of to heart, you know, it's like, 
the work that we put in after hours, the work that we put in on our days off, you know, that's when we really progress. That's when we really get the chance to push ourselves outside of, you know, what we normally do. You know, so I've been trying to uh, just do more of that and work more off hours and stay up late, just trying to uh, reach that level of progress that I want to reach. Then again, I'm also kind of obsessive and don't really have too much of a life. So maybe I'm not the best example of that, of what a healthy balance work-life balance is. I think as long as you stay in love with it, right? Well, I, absolutely. My thing is like, there's too much of it that I love. You know, if it was up to me, I would, you know, tattoo all day, but tattoo like all the stuff that I want to work on. You know, I, I've been literally obsessed with tattoos for over 20 years. Um, it's kind of sad, really. Like when I was in college, rather than going out at night and socializing with people and, you know, making new friends, I was like, hmm, I wonder what the engineering principles behind coil machines are, you know, or I'd be sitting down trying, trying to figure out like a sleeve design, studying all of these different tattoo artists to see what elements they would use and how are they going through and tackling certain areas of the body? Like, you know, say you've got someone that comes in that wants something in their armpit, right? Well, the armpit's not exactly a standard spot to go through and design a tattoo for. So how, what challenges would you face in that? And how would you tackle that kind of an area? You know, these are the things I would stay awake at night thinking about and dreaming about like, oh, Okay, so if I do something like that in that kind of an area, then I'm going to want to take this into consideration and that part into consideration. Look at the natural shadows that are going to occur here. And then, well, how is this going to fit into this area? You know, that's, that's kind of been my whole life. You know, I'm, there's always something about tattoos and tattooing. I will always find something interesting to study with it because it's such a diverse topic you know you can look at uh, the history of tattooing you can look at classic designs you can look at fine art designs you can look at art nouveau how does that translate into it you can look at more graphic styles you can look at um you know, different effects that can be achieved with the equipment. There's always, always something more that we can kind of tackle. Granted, this is all my two cents, by the way. So if anyone disagrees, by all means, let me know your thoughts and opinions. Um, I'm always down to have discussions about stuff like this. You know, I'm not set in my ways by any means. So I'm always looking for new ideas, new philosophies, new uh, ways of thinking about stuff that maybe I already have a concept on, but maybe it's a different perspective that I've never heard before. 
you know so i'm i'm always down to discuss that and think of that uh here we go james wisdom's jason, in the house jason he's got a um, book what what is I have, that? A, I have a book uh is it a picture so book it's actually a, it's a textbook but it's called <gasps> the, the science of, of tattooing. tattooing by hannah wolf yes you know this book yes i do very well um no, it's a, it's literally a it's literally a textbook. It's yeah, <laughs> exactly like a textbook, like you'd have like in high school. But um, but it's all about tattoo stuff, and um, so sort of hearing you talk about uh, your passion for like all of the all of the technical stuff. Um, I thought this one was uh, you know, I'm just I'm just sort of uh, I'm just I'm just getting familiar with this book. I didn't know about it, um, but I'm I'm planning on you know just going through it chapter by chapter. And it's a uh, fascinating read, absolutely you have fascinating. Any, any particular uh, topics that you thought was uh, um you can think of? There were a lot. Uh, it, it is a lot. No, it's a, it's a it's a science book sure yeah um i don't know anything dealing with like pigments i always found interesting um if i remember correct it's been a while since i've read that so my my memory is a little foggy but you know different needle types and how those impact the skin you know that was interesting um different machine speeds and skin trauma uh that was fascinating Yeah, there was, uh, I mean, all of that book is just amazing. I am, no, I'm interested in it uh, lately um, in the, at the, in the APT, the Alliance of Professional Tattooists. Mm -hmm. We've been talking a lot about um, these new federal regulations called mm -hmm. MOCRA. So MOCRA is a bill that's been signed into law. It's already here and it's actually, um, uh, it does pertain to uh, the inks that we use. Correct. So um, there is a period of time where there's a, a, there are comments that are going to be allowed. So the APT has been really focused on um, trying to be, uh, trying to get a seat at the table as it were. Um, and so I think the, you know, the point is not to be like, uh, not to have scare tactics, you know, to frighten you, you know, like, like it's the end of tattooing as we know it, but it may change tattooing as we know it, <laughs> as it were. Um, so what happened in, in Europe over the last couple of years um, was if you, if you haven't heard of it, like I believe it was called reach. Yes. Um, there are form, you know, the formulations for red ink and Blue ink, particularly, uh, were banned in Europe, and um, new formulations were, uh, you know, were instituted. And so, for compliance, manufacturers had to start to uh, make their inks, you know, conform to these these new standards, these new governmental standards. Um, anyway, there's been. Uh, overwhelmingly bad results <laughs> you know that's just uh 
people are having reactions to these inks. Their inks are falling out, these sorts of things. And so since I'm not speaking about anything, you know, particularly specifically, you know, <laughs> we'll avoid any libelousness, but that's the general sort of consensus of uh, what's happened after this, the governmental intervention into the tattooing industry within Europe. And so um, we need to be aware, we need to be involved and, you know, we need like a, we need a, a science <laughs> to help, right? To help us navigate this. Um, because there is an art to it, right? And definitely, I want to, you know, I want to be on my drawing, and I want to be like thinking about like uh, the tattoo designs that I, you know, that I want to do. Um, there's a whole other part of this, though, and I think that's a bit of activism, maybe somewhat required here. Um, so, I guess I'm. If you're if you're listening, you know, like I want to, I want to like promote the APT a little bit. And Absolutely. It's one of those things, it's an old organization. And I know, um, I know everybody, uh, you know, people have uh, heard of the APT. Raphael's out, so it's good to, good to see you, Raphael. Um, but yeah, people have heard of it, but, um, uh, but there's been a, a resurgence of like interest and also, uh, you know, activity. Um, yeah, it's 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 worth I think checking out, seeing if there's a ways that you can get involved or see the things that it's doing. Um, but the the most uh, the most pertinent issue that they're working on right now is this um, this institution of uh, of the the Mokra bill modernization cosmetics. Uh, that's the, which that's don't where get tattooing. Yeah, tattooing falls under. I'm one of those people where if it's going to make things safer uh, for everyone, then I'm not necessarily opposed to it. Um, I don't necessarily Absolutely. know that we need legislation to say that we can, you know, we have to use certain things and all this other stuff. I don't necessarily agree with that, but, you know, it's one of those things where if, if it's safe to use, then use it. You know, it, that's just right. something that I've always, you know, kind of thought, that's, but by no means do I think that we should be dictated to like what we have to use. You know, that's very practical. Um, you know, what you just said, and I, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. The only issue really is that, uh, that this this legislation is is coming you know what yes. i mean it's gonna it's gonna dictate to you and um does that mean i should stock up on all of my colors now not necessarily <laughs> because if it gets banned it gets banned right and then you know if you're if you're like discovered that you're using the banned substance right it could be problematic so um but better to instead like you know Try to be proactive and try to you know understand what's happening um, to the to the best that you can, right? To the best of your ability. Um, has anyone it is detailed? To, There's a lot of minutia. Has anyone been able to determine what the underlying uh, motivation behind the creation of this bill was? Well, 
I am, uh, I don't know if, um, if that's been determined necessarily, except for, like you said, it's under the auspice that there's, they're going to improve the, you know, the health practice of tattooing, but like when corporations become interested in, a, in an industry, um, a big part of the process is to legislate that industry because for the most part, it actually limits the amount of competition <laughs> that you will have, right? It, it sets up barriers to entry. Um, now, along with that, like you said, there can be, there can be improvements, there can be positive things that are that can be associated with like, with new rules and new standards and the like. Um, but that's not necessarily gonna be the spirit of what the, the rules are, you know, instituted. Um, if that makes sense, it it does. It does. Um, you know, coming from you know a motivation of let's say corporate takeover, right? right. And this is a, a larger discussion that you know there are a lot of people out there that are very passionate about this topic. Um, so I invite mm -hmm. any of you that are out there that are listening. If you want to come in and you want to voice your opinion um, and maybe correct me on some of these thoughts that I might have, I welcome you to do that. Um, you know, as far as I'm aware, there seems to be a lot of concern over a lot of major cosmetic companies wanting to come in and, for lack of a better term, take their piece of the pie and capitalize on the for lack of a better term, the tattoo boom that has happened over the past, say, 15 years. Um, I've heard that from a number of people that have been in the tattoo industry for quite a long time. Um, it's not necessarily something that I personally can see. Um, maybe I'm just not looking at it in the right light or at the right angle. But my philosophy is, you know, say you do have some of these multi-billion dollar conglomerates, they want to come in and they want to enforce, you know, different types of legislation or regulation to try to limit the different, you know, potential possibilities of tattoo artists so that they can come through with their own products and kind of take over that corner of the market. Okay. That's the gist of what's been reiterated to me about why these companies are interested in either passing legislation to limit certain things or um, coming through to try to, you know, as certain old timers would say it, they would say, oh, the, these companies are coming in to take over the industry. Well, if you were a company and you had billions and billions and billions of dollars that you've made over the past 20, 30 years, why wouldn't you have done it when everything really happened maybe 15 years ago? You've got the money to throw at it. Why wouldn't you have? You know? Um, there was absolutely nothing stopping a lot of these big corporations from coming through and basically taking over the industry, air quotes there, taking over the industry 
years and years ago. So why now? Why all of a sudden is this becoming a bigger issue? Right? Why all of a sudden are people focusing on that? Now, once again, I don't know the underlying motivation, the underlying premise behind why this legislation is getting passed now. I don't know that. I don't know, um, you know, who was the first person to propose the bill uh, that got signed or who initially came up with the concept of, hey, we need a bill to go through and regulate this. And why, why was that person motivated to do so? Um, that's what I'm really curious to understand. Because once you can understand that underlying core motivation, maybe then you can go through and start to address the underlying cause of that and put people's minds at ease. If it was just kind of an arbitrary thought that kind of got out of control and now it's in law, well, okay, fine. I can see that. Um, if it was being done out of a more altruistic perspective, say someone coming in and seeing that there needs to be some type of health regulation so that as Creatures Cave over on YouTube just made the comment, um, there are too many people out there passing off counterfeit types of ink or bad quality pigments that have no sterilization, no regulation, no, uh, no safety factors involved. If this law is being passed to try to prevent that from hitting the market, okay, I can see that. Um, but it's like, what's that core motivation? What really is, what are they really trying to do with this law? And why was it originally even proposed? You know, that's what I'm really, really curious about. You know, if it was I, someone I, in corporate, yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. I can accept that. But then why now? I have something. Well, okay, so I don't know if this will answer all of this. Um, would you mind if I shared my screen? By Jason? all means, go for it. All right. Okay. So this is from Tattoo Smart. Um, mm -hmm. This is an article about understanding MOCRA, a guide to the changes in the tattoo regulation laws in the US. Um, so, yeah, for everybody, you know, Tattoo Smart, it's uh, Russ Abbott's company. They actually make a lot of like, appropriate apps that are nice, um, fun to use. So, anyway, uh, so yeah, unveiling MOCRA, a new age in tattoo regulation. The Modernization of Cosmetic Regulation Act, or MOPRA, has recently been signed into law and brings substantial implications for the U.S. tattoo industry, especially related to tattoo regulation. As a tattoo artist or enthusiast, it's crucial to stay informed and collectively address this new tattoo legislation. In this blog post, we will delve into the details and potential impact of MOPRA on tattooing, while providing resources and information on how to participate and shield the body art industry. Right, so deciphering MOCRA, uh, changing tattoo laws and the influence on tattooing. MOCRA is a federal bill in progress since 2000 and enacted into law in 2022. Uh, it redefines body art, including tattooing, piercing, and permanent makeup as cosmetics under federal regulations. This significant shift in tattoo regulation means that all products used by body art practitioners, such as tattooing, ointments, machines, needles, etc., 
will now be subject to scrutiny by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Uh, the intention behind MOCRA is to enhance safety and standardization in the catch industry, that these changes present potential challenges that artists need to understand. Um, right? So did you catch all that? It's like everything. Yep, yep. Your, your ink, your needles, your machines, your ointments, likely bandages, you know what I mean? Like uh, maybe the furniture that you use. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's everything. It's all cosmetics now. So it's under this umbrella, you know. Um, anyway, so we'll continue. Unity amidst tattoo regulations, steering the impact of MOCRA. To effectively address the implications of MOCRA and tattoo regulation, the tattoo community must unify its efforts to actively engage in the regulatory process. Promoting awareness and industry backing plays an essential role in avoiding the implementation of severe and unwarranted restrictions on professional tattoo artists. If left unchecked, the U.S. tattoo industry could face restrictions similar to the European Union's REACH program, uh, registration, evaluation, uh, authorization, and restriction of chemical substances is the acronym for REACH, um, uh, which has greatly limited tattoo pigment and pigments in artists' palettes. Fortunately, as of now, we still have time to come together as a united industry to positively impact the outcomes of the Modernization of Cosmetics Regulations Act, or MOCRA. Um, right? That was what we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. That in Europe, there was all sorts of, you know, um, regulatory uh, hurdles that artists have to jump over now. Now, it's interesting. Um, you maybe have to use limited palettes. Right, <laughs> you know, you have to use a limited palette. That could be, you know, an opportunity in a certain respect. Um, but will we, I, don't, I, you know, but I think that it was, it's nice if that's a choice. You know what I mean? Right, it's right. A choice right. to have a limited palette rather than it's, uh, you know, uh, that's that's it's imposed on it's impressiveness. It's, you know, especially because of there's, there's so much knowledge in the industry amongst tattooers that have been you know practicing and handed down generations the the ink that is used right um has been has been has been like studied you know uh in real terms right in real life there's a there's a certain real life application where we've seen the results of certain formulations certain applications that, uh it would be uh, well something that the APT is trying to do. They're trying to put together, uh, you know, like a survey of long-term effects of tattoo ink on bodies. Right? Who has this information? Tattooers, your clients that you've got, you know, especially if you've been tattooing twenty or fifty years or something like that. You've got clients, you know, they're still alive. You've got some twenty or thirty-year-old ink, and back then it was likely only just a, it was a very sort of narrow, you know. Uh, possibility of, of what ink you were using right? Right, it was much more right. narrow than today like today there's a lot of and preacher is right but preacher says there's a lot of bad ink out there that's, that's true because there are major corporations amazon walmart they sell these inks through their site uh this shouldn't be allowed right they I, they should be prohibited from from, from selling ink uh i think you know probably altogether um they can't sell illicit substances, you know, but I guess this is a, this is a conversation for another time. Um, what's important here is that uh, the laws happened. 
but there's still time for us to act. That's what that's what the uh, right. Um, that's what this article is about. Okay, so next section: be the change. Stand with the Alliance of Professional Tattooists under the new tattoo laws. As a tattoo artist or client, you have the power to enact change. The best step you can take to get involved is by joining the Alliance of Professional Tattooists or the APT, a nonprofit trade organization that has been serving the tattoo industry for over 30 years. The APT is recognized by government officials as a reliable representative of the professional tattoo owner. Currently, the FDA proceedings continue and the terms of LOPRA and tattoo laws are discussed. The APT will have the opportunity to provide recommendations based on technical expertise from artists and industry professionals. By supporting the APT, you're contributing to the political advocacy for all tattoo artists, endorsing safe practices and demonstrating the ability to organize and self-regulate. Um, this is what, you know, this is what I'm sort of talking about too. Is like, you know, what does joining the APT mean? It means paying your dues, being in good standing, right? And then getting involved, you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, there is always a discussion going on there. But as a united front, we have the power of the unity of so many artists to actually enact change or to, to be a particular voice. Um, the government will, you know, they may be willing to listen, right? right. I mean, essentially, if you, if, if you have enough artists that join, then you might actually be talking about like a political force, you know, that, that may be able to, you know, lobby government at some level eventually, right? But uh, but it can't right now, and it can't you can't without you know without people, you know, sort of overcoming that instrumental reason. Like, why am I gonna pay for something that, you know, like what do I get out of? Well, <laughs> yeah. we're talking about it, right? Unity is a part of it. It's probably that's probably the most important thing. Now there's gonna be other benefits to being a member, you know. Um, but really, if you're not sort of doing it for, you know, for solidarity with other tattooers, then, then the other stuff isn't going to be good enough. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it really is about like trying to, to work together, right. To, to protect the thing that we're, that we're doing, you know, it's not to, you know, it's not to think back to some time when it was like all good and everything was better. Um, it's, it is about, uh, you know, trying to be uh, in the, at the, have a seat at the table and, and have, have a voice in this conversation. Right. So um, next section, staying ahead, keeping informed about tattoo regulation under MOPRA. Understanding the regular, regulatory process of tattoo regulation may seem daunting, but staying up to date with MOPRA news doesn't have to be difficult. Leaders in the tattoo community have rallied to produce accessible content that is easily understood. Most importantly, you should follow Ben Shaw on all social media channels for relevant facts and for the latest updates on tattoo laws. Ben is a veteran tattoo artist, studio owner, APT board member, and an accomplished regulatory advocate in his home state of New Mexico. Ben has stepped up to the task of confronting MOCRA and is committed to uniting the tattoo industry alongside regularly sharing information on social media. Ben has been highlighted in various podcasts and reviews and news articles to raise awareness amongst the industry and public. Additionally, Ben has established a Discord group titled Body Art Regulation Support System. 
to bridge the knowledge and communication gaps by collecting information across numerous advocacy organizations and compiling state and local tattoo regulation resources. With Ben's efforts, it's simple to stay informed and help disseminate the message. Um, so just to highlight this, there is a Discord group. If you're on Discord and you tattoo, you can join the body art regulation support system. <laughs> and so uh, it's just, it's another Discord group that you'll be in, right? <laughs> probably, right. you know, if you're on Discord, you're probably on a couple, <laughs> but this is another service, right? It's all dedicated to, to tattoo regulations. And there's, there's channels for all the different states, right? So whatever state you're in, you can find channels, you can find, you know, you can keep up to date. You could inform your, your state, you know, like comrade. What's what's uh, what what you've noticed maybe in your county? Because as of now, right, it's, tattoos are regulated county by county. It's a patchwork. But what we're talking about with this with Mocra is federal regulations that are going to be imposed on everybody across the board, and uh, through through the through the materials at this point. That's that's this initial concern, uh, but. Uh, you know, I, I do know, uh, Medusa is, uh, from Oregon. Medusa has talked about all of the hoops she had to jump through. Um, I, I forget, Jen, I forgot where, where you tattoo, where, where you tattoo out. I know it's West Coast, right? Denver, Denver, Colorado. Oh, Denver. Okay. Almost West. It's all, it's west of west of the Midwest. Um, do you, is there any like particular rules that you have to follow that have uh, like what now, were the barriers to becoming a tattooer in Denver? Uh, it's very simple in Lakewood. You just need the bloodborne pathogens. Um, in the city of Denver proper, you need an extra license, which is you know twenty dollars. It's just a cash grab for the the county. Right. Right. It means nothing. <laughs> right. That's uh, that's how it is in a lot of places that it's that it's pretty much self-regulated. Right. But there are other places where you have to do quite a bit of testing. You have to you have to go through schooling through some sort of state mandated like education and stuff. Um, and so. Yeah. Who <laughs> who gets to, to control that, I suppose. Um, there's a bit of, there's a, there's a, like the problem with freedom. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like Jen, you were saying, like, you only have to have your bloodborne pathogens, which is a, which is a good, you know, minimum barrier. And then maybe just, a, you know, you pay for a license or something. Uh, and then you're in, right? But so is the other person down the street who's, <laughs> you know, who may not be taking it as serious as you are. Right? So, um, right. There's a, there's a, there's a positive and a you know and a negative to this, to this freedom that we, that we all get to share. So, um, right, Mokra's potential impact and the calls for active engagement with tattoo laws, uh, the modernization of cosmetic regulation at Mokra holds the potential to initiate substantial changes to the tattoo industry. Artists and enthusiasts should feel compelled to stay informed about these changes in tattoo laws and actively engage regulation regulation process. By endorsing organizations like the Alliance of Professional Tattooists, the APT, you can influence the future of the industry in a positive way. Remember, staying informed of tattoo regulations is 
taking action now is vital to safeguard the tattoo industry from unnecessary restrictions on supply, like tattoo inks and professional practices. As artists, manufacturers, industry professionals, and tattoo collectors must unite to protect the creativity and safety of tattooing amidst evolving regulations under the Modernization Cosmetics Regulation Act. And there are various resources here. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, so you can find this blog on Tattoo Smart, you know, so if anybody's interested. Um, but then, of course, uh, you can also uh, find Ben Shaw. Um, and if you go to his link, link tree, you have access to not only the social media that he's doing, but also get into that uh, disc talking about. So anyway, that was that. I hope that was like uh, okay, Jason. I, I was I was really that. hoping that you would mention the Discord group. I'm a part of that. You're and, um, you're in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You think I'd miss out on that? You were out your mind. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's it's something that I'm I'm a part of, and I'm you know I check it not necessarily daily, but at least once or twice a week. Um, nice. You know, just to stay up to date on certain things. And as much as I do believe in free enterprise, and I do believe in um, you know people really you know, going through and being able to have the freedom to make, make a buck. I I'm also one of those advocates that like, okay, cool. Maybe we do need some regulation. Um, maybe we do need, you know, some type of oversight, not necessarily at the federal level, but, you know, I want to make sure that everything I'm using is safe. And if the government, the federal government's willing to step in and put, federal funds to go through and investigate certain things and say, oh, well, um, maybe using carbon steel, 1018 steel for our tattoo pins isn't exactly a wise decision because of the contaminants and germs that can live on it. Okay, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe the fact that they rust a lot faster than anything that's stainless steel or surgical stainless. Okay, maybe we should use that instead. Which, if you know you're buying stuff on Amazon, you don't really know what the quality is. You don't really know if it is as advertised. Um, you know, I mean, I could slap a sticker on any box out there and say, "Oh yeah, this is approved," um, and it might be complete and total junk. Um, but that reminds me of that movie, Tommy Boy. Exactly <laughs> what I was thinking, right? So I yeah. don't want to see any kind of like a Tommy boy situation, um, you know, happening in this industry, uh, which is why I'm a member, which is why I, I stepped up and I'm not afraid to voice my opinions. You know, at the same time, if it comes, if it turns out that maybe some of the stuff that's currently in use isn't exactly safe, you know, say there's, uh, well, for example, Many years ago, cadmium was used um, in a lot of the yellows and oranges and um, things of that nature, even in tattoo pigments. Um, you know, looking at some of the stuff that was manufactured in the 90s, there was a very high content of cadmium in a lot of the yellows and oranges. Cadmium has been proven to cause cancer. 
so getting rid of cadmium was a good thing, right? That's why you see every now and then you'll still find like older tubes of like oil paint, older soft pastels and stuff like that um, that still have it in there. And it creates a very unique color and a very unique tone, but you have to be extremely careful around that stuff because of the potential consequences of that. Um, so, you know, maybe getting rid of iron oxide, which certain people can be allergic to, maybe that's not exactly a bad thing. You know, the question is then what would we, we replace it with? And I think that's where a lot of the research needs to go is, okay, if you want to ban this, that's fine. What are our alternatives? Um, and, you know, there, there are potential alternatives out there. There has to be. Um, Lord knows with all of the science and technology we have in this world, we have to be able to find something that's an alternative. Now, certain colors like the thalo blue and thalo green that were banned in Europe, those are very unique, very specific tones that they're not exactly as easy to make. Um, and they're not exactly as easy to produce without certain key ingredients uh, that were banned. So it's going to take a bit of engineering. It's going to take a bit of creativity to go through and find certain materials that can be used to replace non-safe non materials or non-safe ingredients. As much as I'm and I can't stress this enough, I'm all about free enterprise. And if you want to make something, go make it, make your buck, that's fine. Um, but let's really think about the safety of the stuff that we're using for our clients, right? Now, that being said, I know that the, the legislation that's going through is targeted more towards over-regulation. You know, like if I want to have my clients sit on um, you know, a barber's chair, you know, I should be allowed to do that so long as it's wrapped and draped correctly. Barriers are in place to prevent any kind of cross-contamination or, um, you know, make sure that everything is nice and covered, nice and clean, you know, but if the government comes through and says that barber's chairs are no longer allowed, no matter what you do, okay, well, that's an overstep, that's an overreach, not exactly about that, you know, but I think there are certain things that, yeah, maybe we could do with some, some regulation. Um, maybe there are certain things that could be looked into to make things safer. You know, I don't think that the instruments that we use to apply tattoos should be regulated because, I mean, I mean, let's look at the history of tattooing, right? People used to tattoo with turkey bones. You know, how is that? necessarily sanitary right so uh so i don't necessarily think the equipment that we use to apply tattoos should be regulated but i think you know having more insight into what goes into certain pigments um what goes into you know what types of you know steel are going to be the best to use for the pins that are created for the needles that we um, which if you're not using surgical stainless, well, there, there may be an issue there. Um, 
you know, but it's like, these are all things that I can, I can understand the justification. So, well, I remember um, that uh, the the guy Atchison had done like a high speed uh, video um, of, of like, you know, needles going into the skin, right? Uh, do you remember this? You remember, you, have you seen that right, video uh, before, Jason? Years ago, yes. I believe it was. If with, it's if uh, it's the same video I'm thinking of, then I do remember seeing it a long time ago. Well, it's that sort of it's that sort of research. It's almost industry, you know, industry research, right? That right. would need to be because you know. Uh, who has our best interests at heart? I think is the is the you know that's really a big part of the the question uh, when you're talking about the regulation and you're talking about you know, who's gonna who's gonna have the say so about what we do and you know what we're allowed to use. Um, yeah, no, it. I think that was uh, something that he had expense that he put on himself um, was that ever that was that posted online somewhere i think it is but um I'm sure we can, I'm sure it could be found. You know what I mean? It's, um, but anyway, no, I think that there's, um, there's a lot of room for, uh, you know, for people to innovate, right? For uh, research to be done. Um, but I think just sitting back and letting it happen yeah, just letting things yeah, happen without it, having a voice is always a mistake. It'll be regretful. Uh, you know, so. Thank you for bringing you, that up, James. No, no problem. I appreciate um, that. It's well, a topic that we, of, I think we touched on many weeks ago very lightly, but we didn't really dive that far into it. So I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Well, you were talking about, you know, technical stuff. I brought up my book, this new book that, I, that I'm reading now, The Science of Tattooing. Um, and it really, you know, being in that Discord group, uh, there's a lot of incredibly smart folks in there who are talking about the science uh, of tattooing. You know, uh, yeah, we're not really talking about aesthetics, you know, in this sense. We were talking about uh, almost everything else, but but that right. But uh, you know that's the other that's the other half of it um, that I think is uh, really crucial, really important, and uh, like it or not, right? Like it or not, it's one of those things that should be uh, 
should be on your radar. You know, so if you love doing, you love doing it. You should know about it because again, it's maybe you can, maybe you can use a limited power, right? You don't want to go back to using, you know, you don't want to be forced to be going back to using crude implements to be able to do your so you mean practice. I shouldn't go outside to my barbecue pit and grab some of the charcoal and ash there, mix that up I, and then tattoo someone with like a shard of a broken bottle. I'm see, I, yeah, see, I'm not saying that you necessarily couldn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in, engage in practices that are, are time up, right? And if those sorts of things are a part of you know, because I was going to tattoo someone with a shark tooth or later today, <laughs> you know, you know some, but... something, sometimes, you know, under the right context, there might be, there might be, uh, you know, a discussion that can include that, but, you know, if it becomes, if it becomes prohibitive you know, to do tattoos, the, you know, in a professional way, the way that we, uh, we've all worked really hard to enact, um, it was still a curtain. People will still do that, but it will become, you know, uh, be forced underground as it were. But right. It'll be, um, um, the standards that have been worked so hard to be achieved are, will be, you know, uh, will be diminished in many respects. Uh, it'll become illicit. Right? I, I remember years ago having a, a very uh, animated conversation with one of my former bosses uh, at a studio that I no longer work at that need not be named um, about pigments and about um, toxicity and stuff like that. And um, I remember pulling up a, uh, I forget, I think it was done by the, the New Zealand Department of Public Health, which actually went through and took some of the most prominent pigments that were out there, um, different companies, and did a um, heavy metal breakdown to show toxicity and stuff like that. Um, and it was, it was fascinating because I was really starting to get into some of that information. And, um, you know, he was trying to say one thing and I was proving him wrong, but he couldn't be wrong. So, you know, it just ended up being one of those situations where no matter what I said or what proof I showed him, I was wrong. So I just kind of threw my hands up and said, well, you do you. Um, but, you know, that's okay. That's okay. Certain people aren't going to be persuaded in any kind of a direction. And I get that. I'm actually currently trying to find that uh, that one article that I that way I'm not misquoting. Uh, I've got it in here somewhere. Well, I hear what you're saying, and I think yeah. the, you know, the conversation is important nonetheless. And uh, we do need to be patient with each other. Yeah, patience is and always just know, Yeah. But also know that it's um, it's likely uh, sort of resistance to um, to even recognizing that, that that some of these things are going on. It, you know, likely can be it, it can likely 
you know, be operating from a you know, place of, you know, unsureness, fear, you know, and we're going to need courage to face, you know, this future, as it were. Um, so those are the, those are some of the things that I think are, to keep in mind, right? Like you're saying, you're maybe difficult to uh, communicate some of these very technical uh, talking points as it were. Um, and so, again, there's, there is uh, an, an efficacy to joining a trade organization, APT in this instance, uh, to help to help your um, further the agenda that's going to uh, positively impact uh, you, right? And there's there's information to support that, but I think um, again, it's can't force anybody, can't make them. They have to decide on their own that it's going to be something that's going to be beneficial to what it is that they're doing. Um, so yeah. That's the that's the the hope that we can you know we can all sort of have right that we're we're going to need each other as it right? but we're gonna disagree we're definitely gonna disagree <laughs> yeah that's as much a part of it that's probably a and that's probably a good to be honest so I I did find one of them um, okay. Uh, here it is. Um, it's from the New Zealand Ministry of Health uh, survey of selected samples of tattoo inks for the presence of heavy metals circa 2013. So it's 10 years old. A lot's probably changed. Um, but it's it was fascinating to go through and read. I mean, if you can read and understand academic articles and you can read and understand scientific journals, then it's absolutely fascinating to read this kind of stuff um, because it really does dive into a lot of different things. Um, you know, but it, it gets into different types of uh, metals, compliant metals, inert metals, um, organic compounds, uh, this, uh, some reds contain antimony, barium, and lead, um, you know, all, all within very specific tolerances. Um, and we're talking like hertz per billion, um, which is very, 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 very small amounts, right? Um, you know, I mean, even in the tap water that I drank here in the outskirts of Philadelphia, there's been found to be quite a few trace elements of certain things in the tap water, you know, even though that does go through a whole purification process, et cetera, et cetera, you know, so there's always going to be tiny little bits of tiny little things that are in everything, right? Even the air that we breathe, um, you know, for, for the exact same reason that there's background radiation everywhere, right? Very, very, very small, minute particle amounts, right? So small that it's not even going to matter, right? But it is there. So, you know, when you look at a lot of these tolerances, 
they're very, 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 very small amounts. But depending on where you live, what the regulations are for those products, they might or might not be within a tolerance. You know, so understanding tolerances is going to be critical to understanding how this law that got passed is going to impact other things. Um, so I think that's something that we need to comprehend in the back of our mind. You know, am I saying that all red pigments out there have lead in them? Absolutely not. Um, am I saying that uh, all blues that are out there have uh, arsenic in them? No, I'm not. Uh, which, I mean, if anyone out there is a cigarette smoker, you're inhaling plenty of that anyway. So is it really going to matter? Um, joking aside, you know, obviously these are things that shouldn't be in our pigments, but it's fascinating to, to go through and do a deep dive into that. James, I'll be happy to send you that. It's PDF. I can text it to you in a little bit once we end the uh, Yeah, I love episode. that. Thank you. Um, I've got a few other really good academic articles that um, I've found over the past few years that, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in sharing. So if anyone ever is interested or ever wants to read some of them, um, by all means, shoot me a DM on Instagram. You can find it over in the uh, right hand, upper right hand corner of my video. Um, it's at Philly Inc. Just shoot me a DM and tell me that you want to see the academic articles and I'll email them to you. Um, so you should put those in the discord too. Okay. I didn't know if they were trying to go back that far with everything. Um, I, th I think, I think having, you know, like you could put them in the science section or something, you know, just as far as like having, a, you know, having, a, you know, a library of, this sort of academic research, you know, it's useful to this, for, you know, to the, right. the cause, you know, um, because there's going to be, need to be, yeah, awesome. Sure. I think, I think that'd be, that'd be great. There should be all kinds of people that would appreciate that there too. So, um, yeah, no, it's. I was wondering if I could weigh in with some of that conversation about toxic chemicals and uh, bodily contact. Yes, by all means. So uh, originally my background was in painting and um, now it's becoming more and more of an effort for studio painters to have like full ventilation systems, very sophisticated systems to clean the air. Uh, they all work with gloves. Um, like I have lead paint, um, it, it just makes the best white you know, and it's, you can still buy it, you can still use it safely. But um, if you're using turpentine, that opens the pores to the skin. And that's how the body absorbs it. So if it gets into the body, it's not coming out. And I think that's what's so dangerous about cadmium, cobalt, any heavy metal is that as soon as it's in the body, it's there for life, you know, and these things build over time, it builds toxicity. So there really is no safe amount. So those paint chips I ate as a kid are still with me? That's right. You're, they tasted really good. <laughs> they were delicious. I mean, Extra they crispy. used to put lead in everything, you know? True. And there are all these studies now saying that it's tied to dementia. It's 
It's just tied to so many cognitive dysfunctions, psychological dysfunctions. It's, it's pretty scary business. Um, and I'm sure in another 20 years, we'll be saying the same about microplastics. You know, I, I don't know that the body can get rid of that either. And it's, and that's probably in everything too. I can it was definitely... very. It was very common in tattoo inks that make you know. Sure, there are still some that that uh, have acrylic, have a content, uh, you know, acrylic content, and um, so that's something that you know, tattooers should be aware of. You know, are you using are you using ink that has acrylic as a as a component of the, of the pigment? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do that? You know what I mean. Um, Maybe there's a, you know, again, maybe there's a, maybe there's nothing wrong with it. I don't know, but it seems like, it seems like it, you know, would be something you might want to, you know, I think double check. I think you, you brought up a really good point of about microplastics, about the acrylics and in, in certain pigment brands, um, you know, and that's something that, you know, I've always found to be very, very curious about just coming from a curiosity standpoint, really. Um, a lot of people back in, you know, say the 2000s, like, you know, even mid 2000s uh, on forward, there were certain people that, you know, wouldn't necessarily bother to look at, oh, well, what is this pigment like? What's in it? And anything like that. You know, it was, oh, well, if this person's using it and they're getting this kind of a result, then that's what I need to use, um, which isn't necessarily the case because there's gorgeous tattoos being done with all different types of stuff out there. Um, what about homemade ashtray ink as a teenager? Am I going to die? Creature's Cave? Um, no, because I've got the same thing and I'm still kicking. So I, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Eventually, creature, you know that. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, but, wow. you know, it's something that, you know, they, they wouldn't even guess. They wouldn't even ask what was in it. It was just, oh, well, if this person's using this and they're getting this kind of a result, then that's what I need to use in order to create that kind of an image or to get that kind of an effect. And, you know, they mentally, they wouldn't even contemplate, oh, well, what's, what's it made from? Is it organic? Is it, you know, water-based? Is it acrylic-based? Is it um, based out of some new space-age material that just crash-landed on the Earth? Um, you know, they, they wouldn't bother to ask. It was just, oh, well, this has been a brand that so-and-so trusted, so I'm going to trust it as well. Um, but that may not be the case, especially if you look into certain things. That may not be a very good explanation or reason as far as why to use certain things um you know it's something that you know i granted i'm far more curious about this kind of stuff than a lot of other people so you know it's something i try to look into um but there was a point in time i remember back in my early early career where people used to tell me listen don't worry about what's in it don't worry about what it's made from use this and you'll be fine, right? It was kind of like, have blind faith in what I'm telling you and you'll be good. But I was just always super curious. 
and I wanted to know like, well, okay, but what, what, where does this red powder that you're making pigment come from? You know, where, where did you get it? What kind is it? What's in it? You know, what, what else is in pigment? What else is, is there that, you know, I might need to know about as much as I'm a huge advocate of, okay, you have to have a level of trust in the person that's teaching you to tattoo. I absolutely agree with that um, because they've probably been doing it way longer than you have and probably know a lot more than you do. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't still ask these important questions. You know, what is it that we're using? What is it that we're putting into our bodies? What is it that we're using to apply these tattoos? Um, and I mean, there, I even have one article, um, once again, going back to academia, um, this is, and I can read off the ISBN number two for anyone else that might want to look it up, but I remember going through and I think this is, uh, but there was even a spot in one of these academic articles that mentioned that, uh, rotary machines, because of their lack of, uh, give, you know, or lack of, um, the word I'm looking for, uh, lack of any kind of resistance. No, not lack of resistance. Um, because of their lack of give, that's the only way I can really think of it, or lack of cushion for when those needles hit the skin that certain artists that are out there may cause more trauma to the skin when using more of a rotary device as opposed to a coil machine because of the nature of the way that those coil machines are designed. Now, that's not, in my opinion, necessarily the case. Um, that's not necessarily what I have found. I use all rotary devices and never had an issue. Uh, but there are certain things in certain articles that I find to be extremely fascinating, but you also have to take that into context. Um, you know, obviously, if you've got a, an unstoppable force coming down, it can cause a lot of trauma if you don't know what you're doing. If you're trained properly, if you know what you're doing, that's not going to be an issue. You know, so there are certain things out there that we may want to look into. We may want to do some more science into. Um, I'm not giving up my rotaries, though. I love them. So good luck trying to get those out of my cold, dead hands. Um, those are those are my babies, and I'm not not giving those up for anything. I've got a ton of coil machines for sale, though. If anyone needs one, but you know, it's like looking into academia and academic articles. That's it's kind of just the way I was raised. I always like to know these things, um, you know. And as long as things are being used in a safe manner, as again put forth, um, you know, when I first started out in art school, I was doing oil painting and it was in a very small enclosed space with no ventilation. So we used to have to take breaks every hour or so in between different painting processes because inevitably mm -hmm. someone would get lightheaded. Um, when you're using a lot of mineral spirits in a very small enclosed space, that can happen. Kind of the way things were. Since then, the university that I went to has switched over from oil painting to acrylic-based painting for a lot of their painting classes. 
to kind of negate the ventilation issue, um, which, okay, fine. I mean, it's not, you know, oil painting like I remember it, but um, you, you can still get some cool effects with acrylics. But, you know, that's the way I was trained. And, you know, no one ever wore gloves and no one ever really questioned what was in these, these paints that we were using. We just kind of went through and did it. Um, not saying that's the way that it should be, but, you know, there are certain things that happen. And as time goes on and technology improves and we learn more about certain things, it's always nice to be able to go through and say, oh, well, that, that's not exactly good for the next generation of people. Um, so that's people true. didn't used to wear gloves when they tattooed also exactly surgeons didn't used to wear gloves when surgeons they didn't used to wash their hands <laughs> but um so yeah no you're right there's uh there's always going to be resistance to adopting like you know, i remember hearing a story about uh, about an old school tattoo artist that you know, was so resistant to wearing, you know, gloves on his hands. Um, he, he used to wear them, but he would cut the fingers off of his, <laughs> the glove on his left hand so that he could still hold and smoke a cigarette without burning the, uh, the latex on the gloves. Um, because this was back in the day when you could smoke right over top of your client as they were getting tattooed and no one could really say anything to you about it. He's like, what are you talking about? I got a glove on my hand. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I'm, you know, abiding by all the regulations. Um, you know, mm -hmm. he would just cut the fingers off and thought he was still safe. And we know better than that. But, you know, things happen, things change, uh, technology changes. You know, we learn more about certain things and it's always, uh, to me, it's always nice to learn something new. So, what are you working on, James? Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm designing like uh, some pieces for a sleeve that I'm going to be doing um, a couple of days. Very nice. So it's like um, it's my it's not my day off it's my it's a work day. well that's um, between i'm between between appointments right now and so i'm trying to get some get some drawing I get caught up in some drawing stuff. no my pleasure is um this is nice you know to have some i think jen said it like some, some drawing company absolutely so it is nice to be in a group and just chat and Get your drawings done. Now, are you planning on, are you mapping out the whole sleeve all at once or are you kind of going through and getting concepts together for different sections and kind of piecing it together? Um, yeah, I've, I've kind of mapped out what I'm doing and now I'm just making, you know, it's, it's kind of several several pieces, you know, like individual moments, you know what I mean? So inside of the arm, there's a, you know, the upper arm, the, the, the forearm area. There's, a, there's pretty much four pants that I'm kind of 
and they're all different. My client really wants to, he had a lot of ideas. <laughs> he had a lot of ideas. Um, and so to kind of, you know, to hopefully like realize the vision that he wants, you know, again, it's almost going to be like these vignettes. And they will, I, I believe, will kind of tie together stylistically. It's not, um, uh, it's not like the bodysuit that you're working on right now. You know what I mean? Uh, this, so, is, this is just a thumbnail sketch. Sure. This is not by any means anything that anyone is getting done. This is just me trying to figure out how can I get things to work. Yeah. No, exactly. I think that's. Or as I like to call it, artistic problem solving. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, James, you're going to be up at Paradise too, right? I am. We're going to Paradise. Are you uh, presenting this year? Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do uh, drawing for tattooers there. That's gonna be fun. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that um, people will have time to. There's gonna be so many great events, you know. And people have time to stop by, and draw with us. So. But I'm hoping to take your uh, seminar as well, Jason. Oh, well, so, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, I'd love to do it. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm debating on whether or not I want to go full out and bring my printer and all that stuff and go through and add a little portion to the Procreate seminar I'll be doing and expand that into printmaking as well. Um, I was talking to Gabe about that and possibly expanding my initial time slot uh, so that I could cover that as well, or maybe breaking it up into a second one. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Um, nice. You know, I may go through and, you know, have everyone, uh, you know, if, if I do bring my printer, which I would really like to do, I think that would really be something nice to add a good value add um you know i i could set it up so that you know basically we would have like a printmaking station uh so people could try different things and see how different things can turn out uh, you know it might be a little bit costly but you know that's the sacrifice i'm willing to make cool yeah no, so what, is, what do you mean by uh, what kind of printmaking are, um, so are you talking about doing? I was throwing the idea around with Gabe the other day about um, possibly splitting up my, my Procreate presentation and doing one on preparing artwork for digital printmaking as well, uh, which is not something I think is necessarily covered, you know, by a lot of people or that a lot of people know a lot about. So, you know, having that information available for people that may want to reproduce their own, their own artwork or their own designs, I think that might be uh, beneficial. Um, and I tossed the idea out and he said he was, you know, sounded like a good idea to him and, you know, could potentially get a good response. So I was thinking about doing that as well, but I was thinking about it more because 
a lot of people that create a lot of these larger pieces, a lot of larger paintings, it's like, well, there's no real scanners that are out there that people can utilize to go through and like scan it if it's small, right? Granted, Kinko's, Staples, places like that usually have large format scanners. They can scan artwork. Don't let them tell you they can't because I've had it done. Um, but it can get really tricky. You got to make sure that if you're using anything graphite or charcoal based, you use a permanent fixative to basically cement it onto the paper that you're using. Um, that way, nothing smears, nothing clogs the sensors, nothing clogs the rollers. Uh, but for people that do larger work on canvas, how would you reproduce that? What steps would you go through? And there's a series of photographing steps that you can use to tile it together so that it's at a high enough resolution with good color representation in order to go through and reproduce it accurately. Um, so going through and presenting on that and how to properly photograph, you know, say large oil paintings or large acrylic paintings or even larger watercolor and liquid acrylic paintings could be useful information. Um, you know, so covering subjects like that could be interesting. Uh, you know, just trying to come up with different ideas on what I think people might find value in. Because you never really kind of know if people are going to find value in certain topics. So... No, that's very interesting to me personally. I, I have uh, many, many paintings, um, especially like uh, very large scale ones from my time at school. And um, I've never learned how to, I never learned how to do the, you know, the photo tiling like you're, like you're talking about. It'd be nice to have a, it'd be nice to have a project like that, you know. Well, maybe I can figure out a time to, to drive out there and come out and visit you and walk you through everything. Well, that, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I think we would have a blast. Yeah, dude. Probably stay up until like three o'clock in the morning, fucking <laughs> tattoos and painting all night. Yeah. Which I'm all no, about, by awesome. the way. Don't think that that's a bad thing. Like, I'm all about it. I love doing that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And I am not afraid of traveling. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's a skill that I, I picked up and was taught when I was in college um, from, believe it or not, one of my professors that uh, was a printmaking wizard. He's been doing it for like 40 years, 45 years. Um, well, I think it was 40 or 45 years at the time. So he really had an idea of how to accurately reproduce a lot of the stuff that he did. And um, I mean, this guy would do five feet tall prints um, uh, using a traditional printmaking press. So bye, Jen. Have a good one. Um, you know, he used to run a lot of large scale prints uh, from copper plates. So he was he was really getting in there. And I asked him how he was able to accurately digitally reproduce those the one day. 
and he walked me through his entire process on, um, you know, basically photographing artwork to tile it, to blow it up so that it's accurately represented. And, um, you know, I've used the trick a few times with some of the stuff I've created and the process works really, really well. Um, the downside is that you typically have to stay up pretty late in order to do mm -hmm. it correctly because you need to have a room that's either completely dark or you have to wait until super late at night when there's very low ambient light with single direct light source and especially if you work in a more impasto fashion to see those chunks of paint that are on there you right. really need to get it the lighting just right in order to accurately represent that so but it, it's knowledge that, oh, that I'm more sense. than happy to share. So. Thank you. No, I think that's great. But I think that's going to about do it for today. Um, why don't you go ahead and give us a quick little sign off? Sure. And um, then I'll go and then, yeah, we'll close everything out. Awesome. Cool. Um, well, Jason, thanks again for uh, having the show and having me on. Um, it's always a pleasure getting a chance to catch up with you. Uh, I'm James Wisdom. Uh, I do drawing for tattooers on Monday mornings at 9 a.m. Reinvesting Tattoo Network. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Tattooing Wisdom. Um, and again, Jason, great hanging with you. Um, and uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's do some printmaking in the near future. You got it. As always, thank you for having, or thank you for joining me today. Uh, for those of you out there that like today's show, by all means, feel free to hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, make sure to give us some feedback. Um, if you have any ideas for future shows or anything like that, you can always shoot me a DM right up here uh, is my Instagram. Just send me a message, give me a follow or a like, or you can always email management at reinventingthetattoo.com. And we will get back to you right away um, and reply to whatever requests that you might have. Uh, James, it's always a great time having you on here. Uh, keep those hands moving, everyone. And I hope everyone has a great week. And remember, next week, next Sunday at 1 p.m., I get to interview Gunner. Um, and that is gearing up to be a fantastic interview. I can't wait for that. So. We'll see everyone next week.